If you will open up your Bibles and turn to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians kind of midway through the New Testament. We're going to hang out there for today and uh, really excited about this series that we're in. We're going through this series called Freedom. And uh, as we look through the book of Galatians, we see Jesus offering freedom uh, through through or by grace and through faith and, and through himself, we can be children of God and how we are free in that. And so this morning, we are going to be talking about what it means to have freedom through faith, freedom through faith. So if you have a, uh, a note sheet in front of you, grab that. Uh, I've got some practical things this morning. I'm, I'm going to try to share with you this morning some ways that you can share about your faith uh, in some very practical ways. And uh, we'll get to that in just a little bit. But we are super glad that you're here. We know that you could be anywhere else this morning and you're here. And so we don't take that for granted or take that lightly. We're glad that you're here worshiping with us. And uh, I'm excited to see what God's going to do today and uh, through his word. Last week, just wanted to remind you, if, if you weren't here last week, just want to catch you up. Last week, we talked about freedom by grace, freedom by grace. And we, we kind of said, if Jesus plus works equals legalism, freedom, or excuse me, Jesus plus works equals legalism. What is legalism? That's a performance-based faith, performance-based faith. So we talked about that, but Jesus plus nothing equals freedom. Jesus plus nothing equals freedom. So this morning, as we, as we talk about faith, what does it mean to have faith? We've been singing about it. We've been, uh, we've, we've been talking about it, and, and most of you have it. But what does it mean to have that faith? What, how does that faith change us? Is it a one-time thing, or is it a renewed kind of thing? And how do we pay that back to God? And so this morning, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk. Does anybody remember uh, last week, I was talking about my, my sweet little uh, senior citizen friend, Miss Mary. Do y'all remember Miss Mary? Remember what I told you she had in, in front of her? You remember, you remember what I told you she had these, these things right in front of her? Peppermint. Yeah, peppermints. All right. So I'm going to throw out some peppermints. So just everybody look up this way. I don't want to hit anybody in the head, but everybody needs a peppermint. So let's go. Don't open them yet. All right. In the back. Oh, <laughs> busting lights. You got to pay attention. There you go. There's a whole handful for the two of you. Uh, <laughs> all right, don't open them yet. Does everybody have one? I, I, I kind of threw them everywhere. Everybody, everybody got one. Everybody need another one? Anybody need another one? You need some? There you go. There's four. Watch your eyes. Okay. Now, remember how I talked about last week? Uh, some of y'all looked at me kind of funny, like when I was talking about opening a peppermint. So everybody, I need you to be super quiet real quick. So here's what I want you to do. everybody's super quiet. Imagine you're in this like little old church building, little small little church. Miss Mary has just turned around and said, you want a peppermint? That kind of thing. And she looks at you and says, you you know, ask that and you're like, yes. And so here's what I want you to do. It's quiet, super quiet, super quiet. I want you to open this peppermint as slow as you can. Count of three, go. Now you can eat the peppermint. So <laughs> there was nothing to do with anything else other than this kind of loud when you opened a, a peppermint in a silence. That was all that had to do. It had nothing to do with the story. But I'm just saying, it's just, and now everybody has a peppermint, fresh breath. That's good. So, so here's the deal. So I, I stood up 
at this little church, remember last week I saw uh, that word grace spelled out, God's riches at Christ's expense. But there was another one, I think I've shared this before, there was another one in Miss Mary's Bible when it was opened up, it said faith. It said faith, and it had this written beside it, forsaking all, I trust him. Forsaking all, I trust him. And as I was thinking about faith, as, as we were talking about this in Galatians chapter 2, that faith is more than just what happens when Jesus calls you to salvation. Let me say that one more time. Faith is more than what just happens when Jesus calls you to salvation. It's essential for, for salvation and every day afterwards. Your faith is essential for salvation and every day afterwards. So it's more than just the event. It continues itself. It continues to keep going. Your faith continues to go as you live every day out. And so we need to understand how do we live this faith out? How do we, how do we walk this faith out? And you have to remember in this faith, it's not anything that you do. It's not because of anything that we've done. It's all what Jesus has done. And we give him praise for that. It's all what he's, he's already accomplished on the cross. So it's not the stuff that we do. And I think so many times we throw grace out and faith out and, and we really don't understand all the gravity of it. And we have a lot of big church words. So, so if you were to use grace and faith and mercy and salvation to, to an unbeliever, sometimes you have to, you have to uh, explain it. One word that you have to kind of explain sometimes is a word called justified or justification. Write that down, justification or justified. And, and I heard a pastor tell uh, this story of what he, he alluded to and what this meant to him. And I, it has stuck with me in a definition for justified because we need to understand that because of the death of Christ, because of the, the, the work that was accomplished on the cross and not only the cross but the resurrection and not only the resurrection, resurrection that he's in heaven he's preparing a place he's alive for us because of what he did on the cross he has made us justified and the easiest way I've ever found a definition uh, or easiest definition I've ever found for justified is this it's very simple when God looks at you he looks at us just if I had not sinned just if I had not sinned. So he looks at us and he sees us who have been called to salvation through Jesus. And he looks at us just if I had not sinned. And that's one of those yeah moments because, man, when God looks at us through the lens of Christ, he doesn't see our mess. He doesn't see the junk that we've been involved in. He doesn't look, he doesn't look at all that. He looks at someone who's spotless, someone who's perfect. And he looks at us because of what Jesus has done on the cross and calls us saints. So here's what I want you to do really fast. I, 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 instead of saying me, I want you to say your name on a really quick sentence. It's, it's going to be three words. It's, it's very simple. Christ loves and then say your name on the count of three. All right, Christ loves. So one, two, three. Christ loves. All right, let's say it one more time. It's like, blah, 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 blah. So, all right, let's try it one more time. Try this one more time. One, two, three. Christ loves Ryan. All right. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you have your pen and paper, I want you to write that down. Christ loves your name. Not your name. He does love your name, no doubt. But write your name there. Christ loves 
me. Christ loves me. We all understand that the penalty of our sin was death and is death. But Jesus took that on the cross. He took it on himself. And so once we have faith in God, the question is, how do we repay him? How do we repay God for what he's done? How do we pay him back in what he did on the cross? And I want to point you to a verse in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. So chapter 2, verse 20 and 21 of Galatians. And I'm going to pray. We're going to dive in this scripture, kind of break it apart a little bit. And really see what God has for us in this moment. So Lord, I love you so much. I thank you for these teenagers. And I pray that through your word that it would come alive and it would be living and active. And God, that you would show us something through a familiar verse for a lot of us that we've never seen before. Or maybe if we've seen it, God, that we would be reminded of your beauty. We would be reminded of your mercy and your grace and your, the freedom that you offer through faith. God, we love you. Speak to us now. Continue to speak to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. And someone said, amen. So here's what I want you to do. Galatians 2, 20 and 21. If, you, if someone has that verse, would someone just stand up for me? I know I'm putting someone on the spot. If you have that verse, would you mind just standing up and reading it for me? Would, does anybody have that verse? For, anybody's got that verse? Any student have that verse? Would you mind standing up and reading that for me, please? Perfect. Could you read it one more time? One more time. You did so well. Read it one more time. It's so powerful. Read it one more time. You're doing great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. So here's what we need to do. We need to break this down a little bit and kind of see how it applies to us. And this is one of those familiar verses. Uh, I'll never forget one of the first Braves games I ever went to in Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. Did anybody ever make it to that? Probably Charles, maybe Willie, maybe uh, a lot of the adults. But I think it was probably torn down before most of these kiddos were born. But um this place was a dump. I mean, this was—I mean, it was—it was a dump of a uh, of a baseball stadium. Of course, it was probably nice back in the '70s, but at this time, it was kind of in the '90s, kind of run down. It was kind of kind of rough. But I'll never forget—I've been invited to the game. It was probably one of the first or second games, and I had the opportunity to sit next to a dugout, the the visitors' dugout, and 
Uh, Sid Bream used to play for the Braves. I don't know if you ever, if any Braves fans, <laughs> Charles is, anybody know who Sid Bream is? I mean, there's a few of us in here that know who Sid Bream is. So he, he was the one who took us to the World Series. Like, he was the one to slide. If you ever see the big, the big plays, uh, the replays, that was Sid Bream sliding, everybody jumping on him. He had the cool mustache. And so, like, that was Sid Bream. And I'll never forget, he got traded to the Pirates, and the Braves were playing the Pirates, and he comes in, and I had a hat on, and I was like, Sid Bream, I was... I I was a big fan, so I asked him if he'd sign my hat. And I, I've never had a chance before or probably ever again to sit next, right next to the, the dugout. And, the, and he signed my hat. He said, Sid Bream, and he put these verses, Galatians 2, 20, and 21. And man, when I got home, I, I, I asked, actually asked him, I, I remember asking him, Sid, because we we're on a first-name basis. I said, Sid, I said, what do these verses say? Like, tell me what they said. And he's like, man, when you get home, you got to read them. Seriously? You know, what made me wait because we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have the Bible app we could just pull out. And I didn't have my pocket translation just to pop out. So my, my thing was, I was like, man, I got to wait home. when I get home. And when I got home, I read these verses. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When I read these words, it, they just impacted me so, so much. And as we were going through this study, as, as we were deciding what to talk about, and, and we were going through these different chapters, going through these different doses of freedom and how they have impact our lives, man, we got to this, and I just knew, like, like it, I just knew the power of God's Word and how it can, it can pierce right through into your heart. Not by anything I say, but straight up by God's Holy Spirit. And so this morning as we look at this verse, let's break it apart and just see what he says. So if you're taking notes, A, A, uh, it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. That's point A. Now, Paul is saying that at salvation... We are not only to die to our sinful nature, but we die to ourselves that was dominated by sin. Now, we need to understand that. That's one of those big things. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. If you call yourself a believer in this place this morning, which I hope you do, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, which I hope you do, I pray that you, you grasp this verse. I pray that this is one of those verses that you underline, you highlight, you put a star by, that at the moment of salvation that you have been crucified with Christ and you no longer live, you are no longer bound by the chains of sin that dominated you. Last week we talked about Paul and we used him as an example. That Paul was on his way to Damascus. He by no means was searching out Christ. And in fact, he was on his way to murder Christians. He was on his way to put them in jail. He was on his way to, to bring down the church. And as he was going, Jesus interceded. He wasn't looking. Jesus interceded. And while you were living your life, as at some point in your life, you were walking, you were living your own way, you were living your own, your, your own destiny in your mind, you were very selfish and you were very self-dominating. Everything was pointed at yourself and that Holy Spirit came upon you and you knew, I pray that you knew or you will know if this hasn't happened, that you needed a Savior. 
And at that moment, at that moment, you were crucified with Christ. And not only the sinful nature, but that you need to understand that the bondage of sin has, has, has shackles, has broken you free. And that's what Paul is saying, that he has been crucified with Christ. And it's not his life to live out any longer. It's Christ's life. And he's saying, it's not just mine. And in fact, it's not mine. But Christ lives in me. And he goes on to say this second part. B, Christ lives in me. We need to understand that all the stuff that Paul was trying to do was worthless. You need to understand, Paul was like the chief Jew. He, he, was, he was down. He knew the laws. He, he was a Pharisee among Pharisee. He was zealous. And you need to understand what that means. He, was, he, he wanted to follow God's law so perfectly that it meant that anybody who strayed away from that, who followed Christ, he was going to put them in jail. He was a zealot. He was, he was on a mission to do everything that he had to do, all the stuff. But it wasn't Christ. And then he says, Christ lives in me. He says, it's not about me anymore. Paul says, it's not about the stuff that I had to do. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So let's break it down a little farther. He says, the life I live in the body, I live by faith. That's C, I live by faith. And here's the kicker. Our faith is not just in someone who died on the cross. Grasp that. Paul knew that his faith wasn't just in someone who died on the cross, and it's actually his faith was in someone who lived inside of him. He understood that it was more than just the cross that it was Jesus inside of him. He says, the life I live in the body, as long as I'm breathing this air in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul knew that it was all about Christ. And we say these things and we're reminded of these things and constantly that it's all about Jesus and, and it's all about what he did on the cross and it's all about the things that he's done and it's not what we do, but we, do we really understand that? Like when we're sitting in our chairs in, in, in our rooms or if we're, you know, we're laying in our bed, do we understand the gravity of what Jesus has done and the freedom that he offers through the cross and the resurrection? And the life that he brings. Do we really grasp that? And so I posed a question. How can we please God? How can we, how can we replay, repay God for what he's done for you? Well, here's the kicker. You can't. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to repay God. Not anything that you can do to repay God for what he's done. But here's the cool part. Here's the awesome thing. That when Christ is in you, that's when you please God. When you please, the way you please God, the repay, repay God, is you allow the, the faith that God gives you to enter in and let him take full control. Because his, his death 
was a big deal. And we, we grasp that. Uh, David Platt says this. This is, whew, God's pleasure in you is based on Christ's performance for you. Let me say that one more time. He says, God's pleasure in you is based on Christ's performance for you. Man, that's one of those moments where you say, Seth, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's one of those things, man. God's pleasure in you is based on Christ's performance for you. There's nothing you can do on your own ability to repay God or to even please God. It's all Christ through you, and he offers you freedom, and he offers you the ability to live this life in freedom and not in bondage to sin. And we understand that. You need to understand what that bondage is. It's that, it's that stuff that's weighing you down. It's that stuff that's on your shoulders, that guilt, that shame, that pride, that addiction that's laying you down. That stuff that weighs you down and makes it hard to breathe. I get it. But Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he offers you breath in your lungs because of the freedom that God has given you through him. And so you can breathe deeply knowing there's nothing you can do on your own. There's nothing you can do. There's not a list of things that you can repay God because all that stuff, that becomes a works-based salvation. It becomes a works-based thing. But you allow Christ to work through you and in you and live inside you. And then he offers you freedom from the things that bog you down. And so we say, how do we, how do we live this faith out? How do you live this faith out? How do you take it one step fur further? How do you explain this faith to someone else? How do, you, how do you explain this to your friends? And so, Willie, if you could help me out for a second. Um, I, was, I was looking this up. I found this, this simple illustration by uh, an evangelist. And, and I tell you, it's, it, his name's Larry Moyer. And I, I, I tell you, this is one of those cool things that I had to share. And it's very, very simple. We need to erase that. If I could, uh, I'll just use my hand. No, that's good. Oh, thank you. All right, thanks. Y'all give it up for Willie. He's the man. Come on, y'all give it up. All right, now check this out. If you have your note sheet, I want to kind of I want to kind of walk you through this. Hopefully you can see it. I'll move this to the side. Now I want you to this is a simple way you can share your faith with your friends or what faith is, explain faith out to your friends. This is very simple. And the first thing you do is just draw three circles. Three circles. So if you have your notes, I want you to draw three circles. Boom. If you have your circle, say yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some of you are like, almost, almost there. Some of you are trying to figure out how to draw a circle on your phone. That's all right. Grab that sheet underneath you. And so in those three circles, I want you to write this. I'll write you a W and then a W plus C and then just a C. A W, then a W plus C and then just a C. Now, in this, you say, how would a person have faith in Christ where we could spend, you could jump ahead and say spend eternity in, in heaven, but you say, how can a, a person have faith in Christ? And, and it's very simple. You draw three circles, and, and you, could say, you could say some people believe in works. 
So write that down underneath. And then some people say works plus Christ. And then that last one, by Christ alone. Christ alone. And so as you're explaining this out, as you're explaining that, that you, you can just ask them. You know, what do you think? What do you think it takes for a person to have faith in Christ? Is it the works that we do? Is it, is it works plus Christ or is it just Christ? Well, you need to understand this. If it's just works, if it's just works, then Christ's death was unnecessary. Write that down, unnecessary. Unnecessary. Because here's the deal. If, if, if we do these things, there, was, there wouldn't be a need for Jesus to die on the cross. If it was all the works that we do, there would be no need to, get, to, to have Jesus die on the cross and raise from the dead. So how do we have faith? Well, if it's, if it's a works basis, his death is unnecessary. But if it was Christ plus works, it would be disappointing. Because if, if it's Christ plus works, man, check this out, man. That means that, means that, that, that what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough. Like we've got to add something to it. Like you have to do stuff to bridge the gap between the cross and God. So if it was, Christ, if it was works plus Christ, but here's the deal. Check this out. Because of what Jesus has done, Christ is sufficient. Christ is sufficient. There's nothing we need to add to it. You say that's so simple, but, but as you explain this out, it makes sense, especially to someone who doesn't know, who doesn't understand, or who may be stuck in one of these things. Larry Moyer says this. It's pretty cool. Write this down. He didn't make the down payment he made the full payment. That's what one of those moments, yeah. Somebody say, yeah. yeah. Listen, he didn't make a down payment. He made the full payment because of his works. That means that Christ's his death was unnecessary. We can try to keep doing these things, but if it's, if it's works plus Christ, it's disappointing because we've got to add these things. But listen, because of what Christ did on the cross, there's nothing that we can add. There's nothing that we can do. It's fully sufficient. It holds all of us. And not only does it hold me, it holds you. And not only does it hold you, it holds your friends. And it's big enough and it's, it's strong enough and that faith in God, takes, it, takes a, it takes a lot of, of strength. Because we're believing in a God we can't see. We're, we're talking to a God that we can't audibly hear back. We have faith in our God because He is sufficient. A little while ago, I, I asked you to, to say a sentence, just three words. Let's try that one more time. One, two, three. Christ loves Ryan. No, no, here's the deal. Some of you just said that because we were repeating a sentence. 
Can I ask you a question? Look at me for a second. Do you really mean that? Does that really mean something in your heart? Do you grasp how awesome that is? That Christ loves you? And because of that love, we can have faith in Him. Faith that He will never fail. Faith that we can walk with Him wherever we go. And He will hold our hand. And He will live through us and in us. Christ loves you. And in those moments, in those darkest days, Christ loves you. In those moments where you're in your room and your mom and dad are fighting, Christ loves you. When you're in your, in, in your study or you're in your car or you're in somewhere by yourself and you're saying this weight of the world is on my shoulders, Christ loves you. When you're in your class and there's so much turmoil and there's so much tension and people are talking about people and you don't understand what to do and you're, you're kind of caught in the middle Christ loves you wherever you're going whatever you've done whatever you're going to do in Christ Christ loves you and the reason I want you to understand that is that if you grasp the bigness of this there's nothing you can do and it's all Jesus freedom happens Freedom happens. Christ loves you. You know, it's really easy when we're kids. I love it when my children sing, Jesus loves me. I mean, it's a familiar song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. And I think somewhere growing up, we kind of forget about that. Because distractions come in. Temptations come in. Never forget that Christ loves you. You and that faith that we live is freeing. It's freeing. For I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. It's all about Him, man. So this week, let's live that out. This week, as you go to your schools, you go to your jobs, you go to your homes, live this out. Maybe this is, you know, one, one simple way to try this out is just to go home and, and show it to your parents. This will be a great conversation starter. Just draw three circles and they're going to go, what are you doing? Well, just go with me, Dad. Go with me, Mom. Right, the WWC and C. Just explain that out. Try that out. Try that out and just walk through it. And then you say, well, if I need a scripture to back it up, Galatians 2.20 would be perfect. 2.20 and 21. Let's try it. I dare you. Let's try it. God, I love you so much.
I pray that this morning, God, that, that so many times this stuff seems so familiar and oftentimes it seems redundant. But God, your word, Paul kept going through letter after letter trying to grasp or get the early church to understand these churches that he started. To understand that it's all about you. And so Father, how does this hit us in our lonely spots? How does this hit us where we're struggling that our faith is what connects us to you? And it's not by anything that we do because there's nothing that we can do to repay you but it's Christ living in us. And anything that we do comes from you. Jesus. So Lord, I pray that you would just be with us now. Open our hearts to live for you. I pray that someone shares this with someone this week. Maybe someone at school, maybe their parents. And let them have some open dialogue about faith. I love you. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you leave, real quickly, before you leave, this Wednesday night will be our first Wednesday night of Go Teams. So I want you to be here. Go Teams, we'll have praise man practice. We're going to have uh, media. We're going to have all kinds of stuff. Hospitality team is going to meet this Wednesday night. Don't forget about that. And then next Sunday, next Sunday, there's this little game going on. I don't know if you knew what was going on. A little small thing going on in Houston. Um, Super Bowl. And uh, so next week, we're going to have a Super Bowl party. We want you to be a part. We are going to have it in here. Last year, we had a blast. We had like 150, 200 hot wings and all kinds of fried food. We're, we're, all we're asking you to do is bring like your favorite tailgate side appetizer kind of thing and make sure you're here for that. It's going to be awesome. We've got some awesome surprises for that. We've got some, some trivia with that too for the, like we did last year. That was a lot of fun. And uh, So make sure you're there for that. And then anything else, Jenny? We gotta, we need to, I think that's all. Love you guys. See you soon. And uh, yeah. See ya.